Welcome to Southern Illinois Worship Center. Today, you'll be hearing a powerful message from our latest series. Let's listen in now. Praise the Lord. Oh, I think I'm on. Am I on? Can y'all hear me? Yeah. It might give me a little more money. Thank you, PJ. Can you guys just give it up for the best sound man in the world, PJ? Robinson. Amen. Amen. Well, I promise I won't keep you long today, um, but I really feel like the Lord has something he wants to say today. Amen. Are you ready to receive all that God has for you? All right. If you will turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read verses one and two, but I'm going to read them in the Amplified. And if you are following along on version, you will see AMP, MSG, and TPT, NLT a lot today. Okay? I um, study the Bible every morning. It's very important to me. Um, Something I do every day. And I read in five different translations. And I feel like that I have the heart of a teacher, and this is just knocking all the way around on my earring. Maybe we just fixed that problem. I don't know. They may need to come out. They may need to come out. Do my earrings need to come out, Pastor PJ? You don't know? Yes, okay. We're just going to go with that. See? See how easy it is to just flow in the Holy Ghost right here? You just take them out. Amen. All right. Someone somewhere rejoiced. Okay. First Timothy. (laughs) Inside joke. But the Holy Spirit distinctly and expressly declares that in latter times, some will turn away from the faith, giving attention to deluding and seducing spirits and doctrines that demons teach through the hypocrisy and pretensions of liars whose consciences are seared, cauterized. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 32 through 36 in the Amplified says, Now therefore, listen to me, O you sons, for blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not refuse or neglect it. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me, wisdom, finds life, and draws forth and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who misses me or sins against me, wrongs and injures himself. All who hate me love and court death. This message was birthed out of one line in one song. It was a few weeks ago, I was in rehearsal, Pastor Evan was gone, and so my duties were a little bit more expounded on Sunday morning because I had to make sure that everything was good with the worship team, make sure that Pastor Jason was good. He was preaching that day. I just had to make sure that the tech team was good, that everything was ready to go. And I was just kind of going through the motions. You ever been there? Just kind of going through the motions, making sure everything was good. We're practicing, but we're really not, I'm really not there in my head. I'm thinking of all the other things I've got to do. And I was just trying to get a grip on the day. And we began singing song number three. It was a new song that we had introduced that day. We had sang the chorus and the bridge before, but today we were singing the whole song. And it was, you know, we get in here and I'm standing right about here. And I 
sang the song, you know, I'm going, this is a house of worship. This is a house of praise. Every demon trembles where we proclaim your name. This is a place of healing. This is a place of grace, I think. Oh, don't quote me on those words. Anyway, you have our full attention. God did not have my full attention in that moment. I was more worried about what I was supposed to be doing than I was about worshiping. Than I was about making sure that my heart was in a posture to lead. That my spirit was in a place where I was in commune with him. I was communing with the Lord. It was just one of those days that struck me in a powerful way. And I needed to get it together. The definition of attention according to Webster's, is to take notice of something or someone. Something or someone is of interest to you. It's important to you. Example, this game has my full attention because it's a nail biter. Okay, nobody's laughing. All right. Um, another definition is the action of dealing with or taking special care of something or someone. This really needs my attention right now. Have you ever said that to your kids? Your room needs your attention right now. Done. Reach my limit, right? No other parents in the room. All you kids are in so much luck. Another definition is actually a negative use of the word. That congressman is trying to avoid the attention of the press at the moment. And lastly, one definition is the position assumed by a soldier. Heels together, arms at side. And if I'm not mistaken, where's Harold at? Wave your hand, Harold. Doesn't the fourth finger and the, th and the, the thumb have to be down, right? Straight down. In line with the pant line, right? Fancy. Is that what you just said, fancy? See, got it. Woo! Can't hear today. All right. Another definition is this. It's that attention is the behavior, get this, a person uses to focus the senses. From sight to hearing, even smell. Attention is how we actively process information in our environment, and it's how we tune out information, perceptions, and sensations that aren't relevant at the moment. There are three determining factors of attention. Are you ready for this? Intensity. The more intense it is, the more likely it's going to have your attention. The size. The bigger the situation, the bigger the image, the bigger the car, the bigger the show, the more it captures your attention resources. Movement, moving things and moving people will capture your attention more than the ones that are static or stationary. Mm. Attention is used in our daily lives in a countless number of tasks. Attention is required. It is essential. It's a limited resource. And if you don't get anything else, get that. Attention is a limited resource. So you need to be selective in what gets your attention. Be selective in what gets 
your attention. There are two major forms of attention. There is passive attention. It's involuntary. It's easy to do. Somebody moves over here, over here, and I'm automatically drawn. It's involuntary. You do it without thinking. It catches your eye. It moves. There's active attention. This is a voluntary attention, and it's guided by alertness, concentration, interest, and needs such as hunger and curiosity. Is anybody hungry in the house today? Is anybody hungry in the house today and you want to turn your attention to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? How many of you in this room are curious today? This may be your first time in a service like this. It's okay. Get curious about the things of the Lord. Curiosity is a hunger. It is awesome. And it's voluntary. You have to choose. You have to choose. It involves effort. You have to do something. It matters where your attention goes. You ultimately steer where you stare. You will go in the direction. My husband was telling me, I don't play golf, folks. I've tried. Okay. Number one, it's too long of a game. My attention's gone after hole number one. My husband's telling me about this story, and he's like, you know, there's times when you look at someone and you say, don't hit the ball to the right. Is that shanking or something? We don't say that word in golf. Okay, good. See, I have no idea. Who knew? Learned something today, didn't you? <laughs> Me too. You steer where you stare. Okay, okay, I'm getting there. Don't hit the ball to the right. You want to hit to the left. The greens are this way. I do know that. Here you are. You're hitting. And they tell you, don't hit that direction. Inevitably. I'm like, okay, no problem. Going that way. All right. Whack. Woo. You steer where you stare. Listen, when someone pays attention to information that's not important, it's a distraction. When you pay attention to something that doesn't have any importance in your life, it becomes a distraction. My point number one today is this. Do you have the attention span of a gnat? Have you ever said that to anyone? Raise your hands because I want the guilty to feel guilty with me. Okay, good. Thank you, all five of you in the room. You have attention span of a gnat. I have someone in my life that I'm pretty sure, pretty positive, attention span of a gnat. You know what? I thought, you know, I say that term. I wonder what it means. I don't want to be rude. You know, a gnat's attention span is zero. Literally zero. <laughs> Think about that. Zero. Like, whenever you see a gnat again in the kitchen, you're going to be mesmerized. You have an attention span of zero. <laughs> They're easily distracted. Gnats have no memory. None. They can't remember where they've been. They can't remember what they've done. They can't remember who they saw. They can't remember anything. They have no memory. 
Do you know who else was like that? I'm pretty convinced the Israelites were. God brought them out. And I mean, my goodness, have you ever read the Old Testament? You just want to go, what are you thinking, people? God brought you out. And they became so easily distracted by idols, by foreign gods, especially the ones they could touch and see. They became distracted by sexuality, by differences within the different clans. They were so easily distracted. Here's my admonishment today. Don't get so distracted that you stop paying attention to what really matters. They got so distracted that they they forgot that their attention was supposed to be on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, their God who had brought them through. And listen, I think sometimes we often think of a distraction as drama or gossip or anything else you can think of, right? Oh, they're distracted. But do you know something good can distract us too? I've seen plenty of people, and I'm going to meddle for just a moment. Put your your steel-toed shoes on. I've seen plenty of people pray for a spouse, pray for God to move, and and they have a mate, and all of a sudden, God sends someone, and you don't see them at church no more. You don't see their name on anything anymore. Or they prayed for a blessing in the way of a baby. You don't see them no more. Or you you prayed for a financial provision and all of a sudden, you stop being generous. Because now you got. You can be distracted by things that are good too. We should pray for mates in our life. We should pray for God to open our womb. We should pray. I don't want God to open my womb now, though. In fact, that might require a posture of kneeling. Lord, we should pray for financial provision so that we can bless others. Okay? Don't get so distracted by what's not important that you stop paying attention to that. Point number two today is like this. Are you ready? Pay attention, pay attention, and pay attention. I hope you caught that I used attention twice in the sentence, but they're being used differently, differently, and that's intentionally. That's intentional. I want you to pay attention. I want you to listen, but I want you to pay attention. Did you know that there is auditory attention and there is visual attention. Pay attention is an auditory command. Pay attention is a visual command. My husband was telling me this before service. He said this last Sunday. In the upper room, they heard a sound and then they saw the fire. You're gonna hear, then you shall see. Here's a few things that you need to pay attention to in this life. Are you ready? Number one, you need to pay attention to yourself. Sometimes we get so busy worrying about other people, we forget about ourselves. (laughs) Pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to what's going through your eye gate. 
Pay attention to what you're watching. Pay attention to what you're thinking. Pay attention to what you're viewing. Pay attention to what your ears are hearing. Pay attention to what you're reading. Pay attention to what you're touching. Pay attention to yourself. Constantly be checking. Am I doing what the Lord wants me to do? Is it good for me? It might not, it might not be wrong. It might not be illegal, but is it good for me? Okay? Luke chapter 17 and verse 3, and here we go. We're going to read a lot of scripture because I think the scriptures, the word speaks for itself. We're going to read out of the Amplified. Pay attention and always be on your guard looking out for one another. Now, I told you just to pay attention to yourself because you need to worry about yourself, right? You need to work out your own salvation. That's what the word says. But you also need to be looking out for others. If your brother sins, he misses the mark. Solemnly tell him so and reprove him. And if he repents, feels sorry for having sinned, forgive him. Luke 21, verses 34 through 36 in the Amplified. Here we go. But take heed to yourselves and be on guard. Pay attention. Lest your hearts, get this guys, lest your hearts be overburdened and depressed, weighed down with the giddiness and headache and nausea of self-indulgence. Watch yourself. Drunkenness and worldly worries and cares pertaining to the business of this life. And lest that day come upon you suddenly like a trap or a noose. For it will come upon all who live upon the face of the entire earth. Keep awake then and watch at all times. Here's three words for you. Write them out. Be discreet. Be attentive. And be ready. You need to be discreet. You need to be attentive and be ready, praying that you may have the full strength and ability and be accounted worthy to escape all these things taken together that will take place and to stand in the presence of the Son of Man. Now, in the message, that same portion of Scripture reads like this, and this is what I got when I read it. Are you ready? But be on your guard. Don't let... The sharp edge of your expectation get dulled. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by parties and drinking and shopping. You see, I almost left this scripture out, but I have no problem preaching to myself. <laughs> Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled come on, come on. by parties and drinking and shopping. Otherwise, that day, what day is that? Judgment day. That day is going to take you by complete surprise. You thought you were ready. You thought you were at attention. You thought you were attentive. You thought you were discreet. But somewhere, you lost it. You lost being on guard. Your expectation got dulled. You got lulled to sleep. It's going to take you by complete surprise. Spring on you suddenly like a trap. For it's going to come on everyone, everywhere, at once. 
Everyone means what? Everyone. Everywhere means everywhere. At once, you're not going to know the day, the hour, nor the time. So whatever you do, here's what I like. Don't go to sleep at the switch. Pray constantly that you will have the strength and wits to make it through everything that's coming and end up on your feet before the Son of Man. I'm hoping that the tech team was able to find a picture of the Exxon Valdez. It was a ship. And this ship, and I I don't know if they were able to or not, this ship crashed. And when it crashed, it caused unprecedented damage. Does anybody remember the crash of the Exxon? Okay, Exxon Valdez, it was a ship. Look at this. This was the ship. And it was awful. Do you know why this happened? It happened because the captain of the ship was drinking and he knew that he wasn't really in a place to guide the ship. This was a massive ship. And so he allowed the third mate who was unlicensed to steer the ship. The third mate, unlicensed, all because the captain dulled his expectations. Here's what it did. This ship spilled 11 million gallons of crude oil into the water. The oil slick spread. It eventually covered about 1,300 miles of coastline. It killed an estimated 250,000 seabirds, 3,000 otters, 300 seals, 250 bald eagles, and 22 killer whales. It may also have played a role in the collapse of the salmon and herring fisheries in the Prince William Sound in the early 1990s. Fishermen went bankrupt and the economies of these shore towns suffered greatly in the following years. All because someone let their expectations be dulled and they fell asleep at the switch and allowed someone else pay attention to yourself. Second point, pay attention to the word. Thank you, tech team. That was amazing. Give them a hand. Hey, I'm thankful. It takes everybody, amen? Pay attention to the word. Hebrews chapter two, verses one through four. And I'm gonna read from the message because y'all know I love that version. It's crucial that we keep a firm grip on what we've heard so that we don't drift off. If the old message delivered by the angels was valid and nobody got away with anything, do you think we can risk neglecting this latest message, this magnificent salvation? First of all, it was delivered in person by the master, then accurately passed on to us by those who heard it from him. All the while, I love this part. God was validating it with gifts through the Holy Spirit, all sorts of signs and miracles as he saw fit. He was validating it. 
Hebrews chapter two, one through four in the Passion reads like this. I told you the word speaks for itself. This is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truth that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. For if the message of the law spoken and confirmed by angels brought a just penalty to every disobedient violation, then how could we, how would we expect to escape punishment if we despise the very truths that give us life? The Lord himself was the first to announce these things. And those who heard him firsthand confirmed their accuracy. Then God added his witness to theirs. Don't you love that? God adds his witness to ours. He validated their ministry with signs, astonishing wonders, all kinds of powerful miracles. And by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which he distributed as he desires. I don't know about you, but I want God to add his witness to mine. And then I want Holy Spirit to validate our ministries in this world with signs, wonders, powerful miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation. <laughs> Proverbs chapter four, one through seven in the Amplified. And folks, I'm hurrying as fast as I can go. Do I still have your attention? Give me two snaps. Yeah. Hear my sons. This is Proverbs four, one through seven in the Amplified. Hear my sons. Now, sons doesn't mean that us daughters are left out. Okay. So here, children, let's say that. The instruction of a father and pay attention in order to gain and to know these. Just underline, highlight, whatever you got to do. Intelligent discernment. Honey, there's a whole lot of people walking around thinking they got discernment. You need intelligent discernment. And intelligent discernment means you got to know the word You have to be in communion with the Father, intelligent discernment, comprehension, and interpretation of spiritual matters. For I give you good doctrine, what is to be received, do not forsake my teaching. When I, Solomon, was a son with my father David, tender, and the only son in the sight of my mother Bathsheba, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get skillful and godly wisdom. Get understanding, discernment, comprehension, and interpretation. Do not forget and do not turn back from the words of my mouth. Forsake not wisdom. And she will keep, defend, and protect you. If you don't get anything else, get that. Wisdom will keep you. You need wisdom in your life. Wisdom will defend you and wisdom will protect you. Love her, love wisdom, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is get wisdom, skillful and godly wisdom, for skillful and godly wisdom. Notice it's not just skillful wisdom and it's not just godly wisdom. You need both of them. Skillful and godly wisdom is the principal thing. And with all you have gotten, get understanding. Again, here we go. Discernment, comprehension, and interpretation. Here's what it says in the message, because I think it says it kind of cool. This is for all the hip teenagers in the house. Talking to myself. (laughs) Not really. I don't need to know I'm not a teenager anymore. It's okay. Listen, friends, to some fatherly advice. 
sit up and take notice so you'll know how to live. I'm giving you good counsel. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. When I was a boy at my father's knee, the pride and joy of my mother, he would sit me down and drill me. Take this to heart. Do what I tell you, live. Sell everything and buy wisdom. Forage for understanding. Don't forget one word and don't deviate an inch. Never walk away from wisdom. She guards your life. Love her. She keeps an eye on you. Above all and before all, do this. Get wisdom. Write this at the top of your list. Get understanding. Throw your arms around her. Believe me, you won't regret it. Never let her go. She'll make your life glorious. She'll garland your life with grace and she'll festoon your days with beauty. Who doesn't want their days to be festooned? (laughs) Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8 in the Amplified says, The grass withers, the flower fades. And I know some of y'all know this verse. But the word of our God will stand forever, forever. Don't have to worry about the word of God. Pay attention to the word. It stands You need direction, go to the word. You need understanding, go to the word. You need to know what to do, go to the word. First Peter chapter one, 24 through 25 in the NLT says, as the scriptures say, now notice this might sound familiar. People are like glass, grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. What word's going to stand forever? The gospel. Oh, that's good. In the message, it says this. That's why the prophet said, I love this. This is like, this is so cool. That's why the prophet said, the old life is a grass life. Its beauty is short-lived as wildflowers. Grass dries up. Flowers droop. God's word goes on and on forever. This is the word that conceived the new life in you. Third point, pay attention to your heart. Pay attention to your heart. I'm just going to read this scripture in two translations, and the second translation is what really got me. Matthew 6, 21 in the Amplified says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But here's what it says in the Passion. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. Think about that. Your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. Squirrels teach us a valuable lesson. I'm going to teach you something today, okay? And Pastor Pete, if I get this wrong, just... Amen me anyway, okay. (laughs) Pastor Pete is like an incredible science teacher. Squirrels have the attention span of one second. Think about it. Look at your neighbor. Why do you think they get hit by a car? Oops, saw it coming. Nope, didn't see it coming. Nope, saw it coming. Nope, didn't see it coming. Supposed to laugh at those jokes, folks, okay? (laughs) But here's what's awesome about a squirrel. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? You ready? Everybody ready? When a squirrel finds an acorn, their attention span goes to four minutes. 
Squirrel. One second, one second. Found my treasure. Four minutes. That squirrel plays around, looks, does whatever it does to an acorn. I have no idea. But they love the acorn. It captures their attention for four minutes. For what your heart will always pursue. Your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. I I just ask you a question. What is your heart pursuing? Because what your heart is pursuing is going to be evident in your life. It's going to be evident on your social media feed. It's going to be evident in your check register. It's going to be evident in how you talk, evident in how you live, evident in where you go. Is it treasure? Is what you're pursuing have any value in the eternal? Proverbs 4, 20 through 23 in the NLT says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. In the Passion Translation, it says it like this. My son, Pay attention to my words and be willing to learn. Be willing to learn. Open your ears to my sayings. Do not let them escape from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart for they are life to those who find them and healing and health to all their flesh. Watch over your heart with all diligence for from it, flow the springs of life. What's your heart treasuring? What's it pursuing? The next point is you need to pay attention to your spiritual health. Now, I think that this is perhaps so cool because this is a scripture in the Bible found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 8 through 9 in the message. And I'm going to read these, this, this scripture and then I'm going to do a little illustration with some help. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so making you fit. See, that's a goal, right? Making you fit both today and forever. You can count on this. Take it to heart. In the NLT, it says this, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Now, folks, last year, Pastor Michael, you know Pastor Michael. Wave your hand, Pastor Michael, because people may not know you. I don't know how, but they may not know you. We did 75 hard. We did two rounds, right? So we ended up our second round in the middle of October. And, you know, I was like, man, I'm so tired. 150 days of this stuff. Man, I'm done. I don't want to think about going to the gym. And one day turned into two days and then three days. And then it became a week. And then it became weeks. And then it became a month. And then it became months. And I thought, if I don't do something... I am going to just atrophy down to nothing. 
And I like being physically fit. I think it's awesome. I think it's cool. How many of you like to be physically fit? Raise your right hand. See, I'm seeing if you're paying attention. Right hand. Okay. So I decided that I needed to do something. And God, um, through Pastor Michael, brought um, a couple into my life. And um, he's a personal trainer. So I was like, this is awesome. This is great. This is what I need. So I go to the gym the first time to train. And I thought, oh, this will be no big deal. I got this. I, oh my. I thought, this is easy, man. Two rounds of 75 hard last year. I got this. 10 pounders, no big deal, man. Stan, you feel me? Stan, the man, you a trainer too. I was like, oh yeah, boy, I'm going to crush this. Yeah, I'm going to show him what I got. Yes. This is great. Got to about the fourth one. I thought, oh, dear God, what did I do? (gasps) Oh, and he's going to make me do three rounds of this. Are you kidding, God? Oh. Oh, yes. I got this, man. Ten pounds should be nothing. (gasps) And I was just praying upon praying. That he would say, you know, Melissa, I don't think you got this. So let's go down to the five pounders. <laughs> yes. Okay. You know, I don't even have to have good form, man. I could just like, yeah, lift these babies, no problem. Yes. Yes, I got this. I'm training to be physically fit. Yes. So I looked at my trainer and I was like, you know, the Bible says that physical training is great, but spiritual training is where it's at. He was like, really awesome. Keep going. And I was like, yes, this is great. You know? And here I was, but I made the mistake. And Brian, if you'll get ready wherever you're at, if you'll get ready. I made the mistake of looking at the bottom row of the whole dumbbell rack. This is my trainer, Brian. Come on up, get ready. Go ahead and get your grips on because I know you're going to need them. So I made the mistake of looking down at the dumbbells and I went, you got those 110 pound dumbbells in here. Ain't nobody left them. (laughs) Like, who in their right mind? He's like, I do. (laughs) I'm like, do you now? All right. So a few weeks later, when I was prepping for this message, I thought, well, buddy, put your money where your mouth is. (laughs) I said, you can lift those one tens. So yesterday, when he brought them in, give it up for Brian. Now, can you do more than just hold them? Can you lift them? No. You just shoulder shrug. <laughs> I love you. That's about it, right? You can't bicep curl. Can't do it. Oh, okay, good. But you don't have good form, do you? No. See, and this is what matters. Okay, you've proven that you can do it, and I told you I wouldn't make you hold him for 10 minutes. Can you give it up for Brian one more time? I'm going to show you an illustration. Thank you. Huh? Unless you want to walk him down those stairs and lunge it back to your chair. <laughs> No, yeah, you can take him right back. 
folks, he's going to kill me this next week in the gym. I just want you to know that, okay? Straight up. Straight up. But I made the mistake of looking at the 110s and thinking that no one could lift them because I had not been practicing. There's no way that I could go lift something that I hadn't practiced to lift. And that's exactly what's happening. What happens in the physical is what happens in the spiritual. You think I'm going to come to a trial? I got this. The enemy comes at you like a flood and all this stuff starts going wrong. And you think, oh, I got this. I go to church every Sunday. Now, I haven't opened my Bible in weeks. I haven't prayed. Now, I'm, I'm meddling right now. I haven't prayed, I haven't read my word, I haven't fasted, I haven't done anything. But I go to church on Sunday, so when the devil comes, I think that I can lift 110 pounds. Knock it out, devil, knock it out, devil. And I can't even lift the things. And that's where we are in the spiritual. We're not trained. You need to pay attention to your spiritual health. Take a barometer. I was talking to Mecca this morning in Java Jira. And how many of you are thankful for coffee? I feel like it's another ministry of the Lord. We were talking and she said, Pastor Melissa, my, my Bible reading in the morning goes hand in hand with coffee. I said, I feel you. I can't even open the word of God if the Keurig hasn't, button hasn't been hit. Listen, listen. We have got to be training in the spiritual. And I know time is short and I'm hurrying. You've got to be training in the spiritual. You've got to be reading your word. You've got to do some heavy lifting in prayer. You have to work out your spiritual muscles just like you work out every muscle group on your body physically. I'm telling you it matters. Form matters. Your posture matters. Brian, I, I'm big on this. I'm like, okay, okay, I, I know that I can do this, but do you have the right form? Because if I don't have the right form, I'm going to build in areas and in ways I don't want to build. And some of y'all need to check your posture. You might be, oh, this is good. You might be reading the word of God, but you're just reading it to get, well, I need vengeance. I need, I need to get justification for what I'm going. I, I'm going to tell that person at work. I'm going to tell... And you're only reading the word. Thank you, Clay. I'm probably going to trip on him. See, someone's looking out for me. Way to look out for others, Clay. See, the body of Christ right there. I'm serious. And you're going to build in areas that don't, you're, you're not building the way that you could because you don't have the right form and you don't have the right posture. Your posture should be, God, whatever you have for me, whatever you want me to know, whatever you want me to learn, whatever you want me to do, I will do. I will go where you say go. I will live how you say live. And I want to have the right form and the right posture when I'm doing my spiritual training. Pay attention to your spiritual health. You can't go into a gym thinking you're automatically going to lift 110 pounds. I don't know if you noticed or not, but Brian has worked years. Put a lot of time. A lot of effort. Oh, that's a whole nother point. Some of y'all want the ministry that your friend beside you has, but you ain't put in the time nor the work nor went through the trials and the experiences. You're coveting what your neighbor's got, but you won't get up and go to work. You want the anointing that your friend has, but you've not allowed God to break you. And when he did break you, you didn't let oil come out. 
When you put your olive in the press, you said, Lord, don't press me too tight. Don't press me too much, God. I'm good. I like my life. I'm telling you. Can't go into thinking that you're going to do that. You have to train. You have to lift. You have to watch your form. You have to do what you need to do day after day, week in, week out, months. You can't take a day off. Some of y'all trying to lift 110-pound dumbbells, and you haven't lifted a 10-pounder in 30 years. You're surprised by your inability to lift such a heavy weight, but you haven't been around the weight in 30 years, let alone trained with it consistently. The trials come and you think, I'll be okay. It's not how it works. And because you haven't done the work, here's another thing. I could have tried to pick up that 110-pound barbell, dumbbell, whatever it's called at this point. And I'd hurt myself. And I possibly could have hurt him in the process. Did I get that on your toe? Did I? Yeah, you broke my toe. You see, what happens is, is that's, that's what happens. We go to pick up something that's not ours to carry and not ours to do. And we can't handle it because we've not prepared ourselves for it. And we hurt ourselves and we hurt others in the process. And then we get mad at God. Pay attention to your spiritual health. If you're more concerned about the ball team you follow than knowing what is written by the disciples who follow Jesus, we might have a problem. I'm hurrying. If you're paying attention, you're alert. First Peter 5 and 8, Passion Translation, Amplified and Message, I'll say it like this. Be well balanced. This is the passion. Be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. In the Amplified, it says, be well-balanced, temperate, sober of mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times for that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion roaring in fierce hunger. Honey, this lion just ain't hungry. It's got a fierce hunger. Seeking someone to seize upon and devour. And the message says, keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. If you're not paying attention, things happen. Errors happen, failures happen, mess-ups happen, injuries, fatalities, and the list goes on. You need to be careful what you're paying attention to. My third point is this, you have my attention. I went to write out as my third point, God, comma, you have my attention. But I couldn't do that because I think for some of us, that isn't the case. I want you to just internally and mentally do a quick sweep of your heart and of your mind. And could you put God in the blank before you have my attention? Or does yours have to say, my job, you have my attention. My hobbies, you have my attention. Folks, God needs your attention. He needs it. If God doesn't have your attention, then I ask you, who has your attention? What has your attention? I'm reminded of the scripture in Galatians 5 and 7 in the NLT. It says, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? The Bible says that God has something against us if we're not, if we're not loving him and loving each other. Revelations chapter two, verses four and five in the message says, but you walked away from your first love. Why? 
What's going on with you anyway? Do you have any idea how far you've fallen? A Lucifer fall. Turn back. Recover your dear early love. No time to waste. For I'm well on my way to removing your light from the golden circle. Revelations 2, 4 through 5 in the Amplified says, but I have this one charge to make against you. That you have left, abandoned the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. Remember then from what heights you have fallen. Repent. Change the inner man to meet God's will and do the works you previously when you first knew the Lord or else I will visit you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you change your mind and repent. In the Passion, it says this, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you've fallen. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence (laughs) if you do not repent. I don't want God to remove my lamppost of influence. Point number three is you have time for what has your attention. I remember April of 2008 like it was yesterday. I can't even tell you what I was wearing most days. But I do remember this one thing in particular. I received an email from my boss. I never heard from my boss. My boss was one of the most quietest men you'll ever meet in your life. Never said a word, never complimented, nothing. He just, that's just who he was. He was just a man of few words. Yet he owned a radio station and he could talk on the radio like nobody's business. But to you, he couldn't have a conversation. And I got this email and he said, Melissa, I have noticed that you have not sold any of a certain promotion that we had going on. And I do remember what it was, but I won't say that now. I'm a little embarrassed. He said, you have not, you, I, your, your attention is not on your job. You are, you are not doing what, 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 I've, what I've hired you to do. And he said, I'm, 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 I'm upset with you. I'm frustrated with you. Well, since you never got a compliment and he tells you in an email that he's frustrated with you and he's upset with you, it was like a dagger to my heart. And my mom and dad taught me to have a good work ethic. And so I was like, oh my goodness, my boss is unhappy with me. Oh my goodness, boy, I could have got mad that he called me out. I could have got upset that he, he called me on what I wasn't doing. Instead, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna prove him wrong, man. I'm the kind of person, if you tell me I can't do something, I will prove you wrong no matter what. And I said, oh man, that's it. Boy, I went on, I had a record year on that promotion. He said, well, Melissa, I can tell that email lit a fire. You see, what he didn't know is that my attention was definitely not on, it was on something totally different. It was on something that was dealing with me personally and I wasn't giving my boss the attention that he deserved. And listen, you have attention for what you have time for. What are your priorities? You guard what you value. You guard what you value. This family bought a bunch of guns. They were like 
old time guns. They were like Civil War, things like that. Boy, they put him in this room. They installed this high tech security system and everything. And I mean, they, when they had people over, they were just like, oh my goodness, look at this room. This is awesome. So you just turn this alarm on and then you go. And they were like, oh no, 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 no. We turn the alarm on, but we stay right here because we don't want anything to happen. They said, you mean you no longer have a life? That'd be my first question. They were like, this is our life. You guard what you value. They valued those, those things in their home. That's what, they va- that's what they guarded. You value what you guard. You guard what you value. Help, I need brain plasticity. Neuroplasticity is the ability of the brain to modify its connections or rewire itself. Without this ability, any brain would be unable to develop from infancy through to adulthood or recover from a brain injury. What makes the brain special is that unlike a computer, it processes sensory and motor signals in parallel. It has many neural pathways that can replicate another's function so that small errors in development or temporary loss of function through damage can be easily corrected by rerouting signals along a different pathway. This is how they do attention rehabilitation. This is how they do attention, rehabilitation, and other cognitive skills. How do we do that in the spiritual world? It's simple. This is what the word says. In Ephesians chapter four and verse 23, instead let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. In, the 20, in verse 24 in the Amplified, it says, and put on the new nature, the regenerate self created in God's image, godlike in true righteousness and holiness. In Romans chapter 12 and verse two in the Amplified, it says, do not be conformed to this world, this age fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitude so that you may prove for yourselves what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. We need to have a brain change. We need to have a rerouting. We must be renewed in our mind. Did you know that there's nothing you can do to instantly increase your dog's attention span? I read about this. I wanted to know. This just happens over time. Dogs can pay attention for a minute or two, and that's if you get a well-behaved one. Mine, it's 60 seconds or less. But that's about it. But they have found that a dog's memory is better and more complex than they thought. I said all that to say that while there's nothing you can do to help and increase your dog's attention span instantaneously, our God works supernaturally and instantaneously in our lives. And the change that we need, the rehabilitation we need, the rewiring we need can happen instantaneously in our lives in Jesus' name. There's many types of attention and I really don't have time to go through all of them. So I'm just gonna give you just a brief, just a brief line after each one. There's an alternating attention. It's multitasking, but not giving anything your full attention. There's divided attention. You're trying to pay attention to two things at once. You have selective attention. You block out certain features and you focus on one feature. You have focused attention. Something requires immediate attention and quick action. It's the ability to focus in on something. You have a sustained attention. It's your attention span. It's one's attention span. It's the ability to work at one task for a long period of time concentration. And then you have executive attention. That's attending 
to what really matters. In 2 Samuel chapter 14, this is a story about Joab, David, and Absalom. Joab perceived or thought that David's mind was set on his son Absalom and not on his duties as king. He knew that David missed Absalom. So Joab sends a woman in to speak with David about a situation that was similar to the situation that David was in. David figures out that Joab Joab had put her up to it. So David sends Joab to fetch Absalom and bring him back to Judah with one condition. He wasn't allowed to see David. There was a problem with that. The people of Israel loved Absalom because of his beauty. For two years, Absalom waited to see David. David had allowed him to move back from Gesher. He waited to see David. Finally, Absalom had had enough and he sends for Joab and he wants Joab to come so he can tell Joab, I need to see the king. I want to see King David. Joab doesn't come. So the second time, Absalom sends for Joab because because Absalom wants to see the king. Joab doesn't come. So Absalom, thoroughly upset and disgusted, decides to set fire to Joab's barley field. Joab comes over and is like, dude, why'd you set my field on fire? Absalom said, it's simple. I needed your attention. I needed your attention. It worked. Absalom was able to go in and see King David. Made up, reconciled. He was allowed to see the king. So I ask you today, friend, I don't think you need a big altar call for this. Because I think it's a question that you need to ponder not only today, but for the rest of the week. If God doesn't have your full attention, if you filled in the blank and it didn't say, God, you have my attention. I ask you today, what does God have to do to get your attention? What does God have to do to get your attention? Charles Spurgeon says, he, meaning God, knowing that we will not come by any other means, sendeth a serious trial. He sets our barley field on fire, which he has a right to do, seeing our barley fields are far more his than they are ours. What does God have to do to get your attention? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to have just a moment of private conversation with the Lord and ask him, God, is my attention on you? Because if it's not, what needs to be removed? What do I need to do different? Who do I need to remove from my life? What do I need to let go of? 
Maybe you've held on to hurt and bitterness and it's kept you from having your full attention on God. What does God have to do to get your attention? For our barley fields are more his than they are ours. There's an old song. It says, whatever it takes to draw closer to you, Lord, that's what I'll be willing to do. And while your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, is that your prayer today? Whatever it takes, Lord, to draw closer to you, that's what I'll be willing to do. Because God, you matter more than anything in the world. I want you to have my full attention I know your full attention is on me. You know where I go. You know what I do. You know the very number of hairs that are on my head. But God, I want my attention to be fully on you. So Father, right now in this room and those watching online, you see, you see every single person. You've heard every prayer. You've seen every tear. You've heard every question, Lord that's been asked today. And Father, you've already met us in a most powerful way. But God, may we be convicted to keep our focus, to keep our attention, to keep our eyes on you no matter what. May we pay attention to ourselves. May we be alert and on guard as we go about our days. God, help us, Lord, to pay attention to your word. Let your word just come alive to us like it never has before. Help us, Lord, to pay attention, God, to our spiritual health. Help us to pay attention, oh God, to what you are doing in this moment, in this season, in this region, in our lives, in our church, in our schools, and in our homes, God. Lord, I just ask this week, Lord, that we would just be so mindful, so intentional about what has our attention. In Jesus' name we pray. We say a big.